0: Hello everyone, welcome to Knox Bedtime Stories, the bedtime story podcast for grown-ups. I'm your friend Joey, here with another episode to help you relax, feel safe, and fall asleep. It's midnight here, I hope you're all staying safe. Staying away from social media, the news, and anything that triggers you. I hope you're enjoying this brisk October night weather. It's almost perfect here in Philly at 55 degrees and with no humidity. I'll have the podcast Patreon list fixed on knoxbedtimestories.com tomorrow. The Patreon supporters list disappeared again out of nowhere. I'm going to give it its own page since it keeps disappearing. I think it's the underpants gnomes that are taking it down, so I'll have to deal with them. There will also be new Glinda of Oz episodes this week for all patrons. We're down to the last four chapters of the book. On tonight's episode, we're going to say some positive affirmations, and then I have an old-school sci-fi story for you. About hunters going after a rare bird on the planet Venus, set to sleep inducing music in this beautiful fireplace. If you're new to the podcast, welcome to the Knox family. I hope I'm able to bring you calm, comfort, and a good night's sleep for a long time to come. From here on out, nothing exists except you, me, this beautiful fireplace and the bed couch or floor you're laying on this podcast is sponsored by podbean podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast we use podbean to host Knox bedtime stories download the free podbean podcast app To start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast. And you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. I would like to thank our newest Patreon patrons, Sonia Patterson and Randy Hudson. And thank you to the rest of our patrons for helping keep the podcast going. I don't think people have any idea how helpful these donations are. Ask yourself this question. What is a good night's sleep worth to you? Does the podcast help you relax, feel safe, and fall asleep once a month? Once a week? Five days a week? If it does, please consider becoming a patron for as little as $2 a month. That's basically the price of a cheap cup of coffee a month. There are various rewards for you, including bonus content. These episodes can take me in excess of 20 hours to put together. I do a lot to make sure these are as comforting as possible for all of you. And this is my only income. So, if you would like to become a patron... Please go to NoxBedtimeStories.com and click the Join Patreon button or patreon.com forward slash Stories. We are going to start the night with some positive affirmations. There's no reason for any of you to go to bed feeling bad, even if you had a bad day, week, month, or if it's been a bad year. You matter, and things will get better. Now, I want you to lay in bed in a comfortable position and repeat after me. My mind and my body are ready to rest. I am in my sanctuary. Everything will be okay. I am grateful for my body. My body is relaxed. I look forward to tomorrow. I did my best today, I'm ready to be recharged, tomorrow is a new opportunity. My dreams are a place for positivity and hope, only, I believe in myself. Sleeping is a natural state for me, I'll enjoy a full night of sleep and I will wake up recharged in mind and body. Calming thoughts and optimism will fill my dreams. I am in a safe space to sleep. I will let every worry go. My eyes are tired. My body and I deserve a good night of rest. I am thankful for this day, grateful for this bed, and I am looking forward to tomorrow. Stress and worries cannot control me. I will let go and be at peace. I am deserving of a good night of sleep. I love and accept this body. I will nourish it through thoughts in my dreams tonight. I am thankful for the opportunities that came my way today. Now I shall rest. Tomorrow my goals are always possible. I feel myself at peace with every breath I take. I deserve good dreams. Tomorrow I'll receive the things I dream about. I have done enough today. I am at peace with the universe. Great things come after a good night of sleep. I choose to sleep, rest, peace, and relaxation over stress and worry. My mindfulness is my priority. I am proud of myself for today. Tomorrow will be even better. I am a beautiful being. I deserve to sleep. I choose to stop worrying, stressing, and dwelling on negativity. I am in a natural wellness state. My body deserves a good night. I am healthy and I will thank my body with a good night of rest. My mind is full. I am letting go today. Tomorrow my mind and my body will shine again. I feel safe in my sleep. My sleep calms me and recharges me for a better tomorrow. I love myself. My mind, my soul, and my body are beautiful. I will attract loving things. I heal through my sleep. I welcome a peaceful, calming and gentle night. With these breaths, I relieve my mind and my body of all anxiety and stress. Today is gone, I'm going to sleep at peace. My mind is in synchronization with the natural state of the universe. My eyes are closing effortlessly. I'll enjoy an undisturbed night of sleep. My good night of rest has the power to overcome my fears, my anxiety, and my doubts. I will now confidently rest. I'm confident in my dreams. I am not defined by my mistakes of today. I deserve a good night of rest. I am worthy of tomorrow. I deserve love. I deserve peace. I deserve rest. I am learning. I'm growing. I'm excited for tomorrow. I believe in me. In bed, say to yourself, my bedroom is a place of peace and relaxation. When I enter this room and crawl into bed at night, Tonight's thoughts naturally begin to soften, my burden lightens, and sleep is coming. Let's get to tonight's story, Lair of the Dragonbird. set to sleep inducing music in this beautiful fireplace. If you're not already laying down, please do so in whatever way is comfortable. And let's begin. Lair of the Dragon Bird Nobody on Venus knew if the dragon bird was flesh and blood or a robot. But one thing was certain. Some men would kill to find out. Dan Elliott sat in the muggy gloom of the vest-end bar on the outskirts of Venus City and grinned at his reflection in the mottled mirror. "'Congratulations,' he said to himself. "'You are now the owner of the Space Needle 2.' "'It had taken him five years, but it was worth it. "'The insurance money from the crashed Space Needle "'had just barely covered the down payment on the new ship, "'and it had taken five years to pay for the rest of it. "'But now the ship was his.' and he was celebrating. The only trouble was, the final payment had nearly left him penniless, and the only place he could afford to bend an elbow was a dive like the vest end. Suddenly, someone lurched against his back, and the drink in his hand slopped over the bar. Why don't you watch what you're doing, buddy? A harsh voice said. Elliot turned around. I didn't. Oh, a wise guy, eh? Customers began to draw around the bickering duo. Elliot sized up his antagonist. A burly, nondescript man with a seam running down from one ear to his chin. I'm not looking for trouble, Elliot said. But if... A fist erupted from nowhere and sent him spinning against the bar. He elbowed up and drove a punch into the burly man's stomach, followed with a ringing blow to the jaw. The other staggered, and a third entered the brawl. Elliot felt a punch rake his face, blocked a kick aimed for his groin, ...and barreled across the room, striking out angrily at his assailants. By now, the room was filled with moving, cursing, gesticulating men... ...while the bartender ducked to safety. Elliot plunged through the mob... ...and found the man who had struck him the first time. He seized him by the collar and drove him to the floor... "'Just as someone yelled, watch that table,' he turned, not nearly in time. "'The flying table caught the back of his head with a sickening thunk, "'and he dropped unconscious to the floor. "'A cold rag splashed wetly on his face, and a heavy voice said, "'Bring him out of it. He's not badly hurt.' Elliot opened his eyes slowly,' He was no longer in the vest end, but in a large, well-decorated office. Behind a gleaming surface desk sat a short fat man with jowls that jiggled as he spoke. And standing to his left was a brawny, not-too-intelligent-looking man with a heavy space tan. "'How do you feel, Mr. Elliot?' the fat man asked. "'All right, I guess.' he rubbed the back of his head. What happened? You got into a fight. Fortunately, Sam here got you out. Elliot looked at his benefactor. Thanks, pal. Sam shrugged morosely. The fat man steepled his fingers and leaned forward solicitously. Tell me... "'Aren't you the Daniel Elliot who cracked up a spaceship in the jungles five years ago?' "'That's me,' Elliot said. The fat man nodded. "'Mr. Elliot, I understand that you were near the Venetian Temple of Light, "'that you actually saw the dragon bird with your own eyes. "'Can you tell me if the thing is a robot, or is it actually alive?' Elliot grinned. He had seen the fabulous bird from the jungle, hidden from the Venetian priests who worshipped it. But even at a distance, he could tell the thing was alive. No robot could move with such sinuous grace. It's real, he said. The fat man smiled unpleasantly. I had hoped so, Mr. Elliot. I want that bird. You're the only one who can lead me to it. Elliot rose to his feet and glared at the fat man. Not me, mister. I don't like the jungle. And I don't like the idea of taking the Venetian's pet god either. The fat man's eyes grew hard. Do you know who I am? Elliot shook his head. It was a mistake. His neck was still sore from the clobbering earlier, and the pain made him wince. You're talking to Houston Blaine, Sam said. Elliot stared silently. He knew Houston Blaine. Blaine was the Venetian commissioner for the Interplanetary Trade Board. You were in a brawl in a tavern, Mr. Elliot, said Blaine mildly. I could revoke your pilot's papers for that. It might even appear that you were, uh, intoxicated when you smashed up the Space Needle. Naturally, we couldn't let you take off in the Space Needle too, could we? Elliot saw the picture then. The fight in the bar had been staged, Blaine had shrewdly framed him in order to get him, to lead him to the dragon bird. And the fat man could do everything he said he would. Elliot was in his pocket. All right, Blaine, Elliot said stiffly. When do we start? Tuesday, Blaine said. And I'd better warn you, Elliot, that we must protect each other. If I don't come back from this trip, certain papers in my safe would make things very difficult for you. If we make it, however, you will be well paid. What does that mean? Blaine smiled. I believe 10,000 credits will be sufficient. That is, of course, if we actually get the Dragon Bird. They started the next day from North Venus City blaine and elliot sam followed them as far as the boundary line then waved and turned back the first few days of the journey weren't too bad the little jeep went over the mossy undergrowth almost as though a road had been built for it it was elliot reflected a hell of a lot better way to travel than slogging through the Venetian jungle on foot. In four days, they covered the same ground that had taken Elliot five weeks when he'd cracked up his ship several hundred miles to the south. At night, the two men took shifts, one of them sleeping in the rear of the jeep and the other standing guard, keeping his eyes peeled for predators. Here, Elliot encountered a temptation that was almost over It happened the first night while Blaine slept. Elliot paced slowly back and forth on the lookout. Half an hour before his watch was due to end, he heard a faint chittering sound coming from one of the swaying whip trees overhead. He glanced up and swore... One of the grapefruit-sized purple Venetian spiders was lowering itself stealthily from overhead, branches on thick, sticky strands of web. It hovered some eight feet above Blaine's face, the fat, grubby face that looked evil even in sleep. Elliot felt perspiration bursting out on himself, It would be so easy just to let the spider descend to crawl on Blaine's ugly face to inject its venom. No, he fought the temptation and drew his blaster. A bright spurt of golden flame split the night and the spider withered on its web. Blaine was awake in an instant. What was that? ''I've just saved your worthless life,'' Elliot said, tonelessly. ''Spider?'' ''Came out of the trees. Go back to sleep. You're not on duty for another half hour.'' Blaine shuddered, rolled over, and went back to sleep. During the day, Elliot drove. They moved further and further into the tangle of the foliage that was the Venetian jungle while the gray clump of buildings that was Venus City receded dimly behind them. It was hot in the jungle, hot and moist. Elliot's hair plastered itself to his forehead. Sweat trickled into his eyes. Steam fogged the windshield. After a while, he brought the jeep to a halt. Blaine wiped sweat from his wobbling chins and looked up. What's going on? You drive, Elliot said. I'm bushed. No, Blaine said. You're doing the driving on this outfit. That's your job. That's what I've hired you for. Get going. Now. He'd been in low straits before, but this was about the depth of degradation He had never hated anyone quite so deeply as he did Blaine and had never been in so poor a position to do anything about it. Pressure began to build up in him. He was a trained rocket pilot, a man with skilled reflexes and an essential job. Somehow he'd slipped and it had landed him smack under Blaine's thumb. It wasn't an easy pill to swallow. He would cheerfully have killed the fat man, except that he knew he'd never fly a spaceship again if he returned to Venus City without the commissioner. Blaine had him tied up six ways from Sunday, and it would do no good to strain at the bonds. On the evening of the fourth day, disaster struck. The jeep was bouncing over the mossy path between the great slime-covered trees when, quite suddenly, Elliot spied something rope-like slithering down a vine directly in the path of the car. Snake, he yelled, and jerked the wheel to one side and the jeep swerved. Watch what you're doing, Blaine growled, but it was too late. The right wheel hit a hidden rock, and the vehicle turned over onto its side with a rending crash. Elliot was dazed, but he knew he still had to act fast. He sprang from the overturned jeep with Blaine behind him. The tree snake that caused him to swerve was still coming toward them, its white fangs dripping venom. It sprang forward to strike, but Elliot's hand was faster. He closed his fingers savagely around the reptile's neck. He held the head at arm's length. The snake's 12-foot body whipped around Elliot's throat and chest, pinning one arm to his side. The rocket pilot felt the dry, loathsome odor of the reptile drifting into his nostrils and retched. He gasped for air and tightened his fingers on the snake's throat, drawing his hand together as closely as he could. It was a question of which would hold out longer. Elliot's eyes began to dim. What the hell was that fat fool Blaine doing? Blaine, he shouted. But Blaine didn't answer. With one desperate surge of power, Elliot clamped his fingers even tighter. Something snapped. The snake gave one convulsive shudder and dropped its lifeless coils from Elliot's body. He stood up, quivering with tension. As the snake hit the ground, a pencil beam seared the air, burning its head off. ''That's that,'' Houston Blaine said in relief. Elliot whirled to face him. ''Why the devil did... Why the devil did you stand there? It could have killed me.'' ''Why didn't you use your knife?'' Blaine shrugged. ''You are doing all right. Now do something about the car, will you?'' Elliot repressed a vivid curse and turned away. The sight of Blaine sickened him, and he wished there were some way of exacting the revenge Blaine merited, without forfeiting the cash for the trip. There wasn't. He bent and examined the car. The front axle's broken, he said, after a moment of scrutiny. There's nothing much we can do about it out here. Nothing? Nothing? "'Nothing, unless you want to lash it together with some twigs,' Elliot said acidly. "'We can't turn back now,' Blaine said. "'Start loading your pack. "'We'll walk the rest of the way. "'The dragon bird's lair can't be too far off.' "'The bright glow of lust was shining in the fat man's eyes. "'Elliot stared at him for a moment, then began packing.' A day later, they arrived at the banks of the Caethil River, a swirling, slowly moving, wide stream that wound lazily through most of the continent. Elliot and Blaine kept out of sight in the brush. "'Look out there,' Elliot said. He pointed at an island a hundred yards offshore. "'What's out that way?' Blaine asked. "'That's the temple.' See the big white building? The natives never come to this side of the river. By the way, the hunting's better over there. Give me glasses, Blaine whispered. Elliot handed binoculars over, and the fat man stared hungrily at the island. See anything? Just natives, Blaine said. He handed back the glasses, and Elliot looked at the... Little knots of mauve-skinned natives here and there on the island. Don't they have any guards? Elliot shook his head. No. They stick to their beliefs that the dragon bird will protect them from any invaders. Good, Blaine said. So much the simpler for us. When do we get moving? Elliot glanced at the man at his side. Saw the desire of Blaine's face, the greed of the hunter. Don't be impatient, he said. It's almost noon now. Keep your glasses trained on the temple. Unless they've changed the program, the dragon bird will make an appearance at noon. The minutes ticked past slowly. Blaine kept glancing at his watch and looking eagerly across the water toward the island. At the instant of the second hand of the watch, brushed past the twelve, there was a sudden boom as of a huge kettle drum and the sound reverberated hollowly out over the river. A group of natives carrying a dark-hued animal the size of a small sheep, marched in orderly procession toward the temple. They laid the animal on the altar before the door. Another muffled boom followed. Here it comes, Elliot murmured. The native stepped back reverently, and the doors of the temple slowly swung outward. The dragon bird appeared, Blaine's astonished gasp was so loud that Elliot looked around apprehensively. "'It's beautiful,' the fat man exclaimed. "'More lovely than I've ever dreamed.' "'It is,' Elliot said grimly. He took the glasses from Blaine's trembling fingers and focused them on the island." The dragon bird was walking with dignity across the little square before the altar. It stood almost the height of a man, half bird, half reptile, walking on powerful claws, tipped with diamond-sharp gleaming talons. The brilliant sunlight glinted off its metallic feathers, played over its shining plumage. Lent brightness to the shimmering row of scales that covered its long, swan-like neck. "'Give me back the glasses,' Blaine said. "'He snatched them and stared. "'My God, what a beauty. He'll make a perfect trophy.' "'Trophy?' Elliot recoiled in amazement. "'Trophy? I thought you were going to capture it. "'Don't be a fool.' How could we take a live bird the size of that one back through the jungle? We'd need a cage of chrome steel. No, I'm going to shoot it. We can take the head and skin back. That'll be enough. Elliot scowled and felt sick. The dragon bird a trophy? The concept disgusted him. He looked away toward the island. The dragon bird had begun to feed on the small animal. It was ripping into it viciously its talons and powerful beak. It'll be easy, Blaine went on. I'll put a bullet through the bird so as not to ruin it. And then we'll use ray guns on the natives to get rid of them. You'll what? we will never know what hit them. It's merciful that way. Lord, what a lovely creature that is. Blaine raised his rifle and took careful aim. The rifle hung there a long moment as Elliot watched Blaine's pudgy fingers tightening on the trigger. Then he lowered it. No, he said. I don't trust my aim. I might ruin the bird and I'd never forgive myself. He handed the gun to Elliot. Elliot took it reluctantly, feeling the coolness of the barrel, feeling the heaviness of the stock. You shoot it, Blaine said. No, I won't, Elliot retorted. We said nothing about. That doesn't matter, said Blaine blandly. I'm not asking you to shoot the bird I'm ordering you to. Hot arrows of rage danced between Elliot's eyes. He saw the dragon bird, now feasting on its sacrifice, saw that beautiful noble head pierced by a rocketing lump of metal, pictured the smoking rifle in his hand, and he could barely check the impulse of the swing of the rifle in Blaine's bloated skull. I won't do it, he said. "'I will not shoot that bird. "'You're a fool, Elliot. "'You know that if we don't get the bird, "'you don't get paid. "'Why don't you?' "'I won't do it.' "'Very well,' said Blaine coldly. "'I can't waste further time arguing with you. "'The bird may go back inside the temple any minute. "'Give me the gun. "'I'll do it myself.' and I'll settle with you later. Silently, Elliot returned the gun to the fat man. Blaine took it, cocked it, sighted along the barrel. A second time, his finger began to tighten on the trigger. Suddenly, in a flash of bitter insight, Elliot realized he could never live with himself again if he allowed that finger to close the trigger. No matter what the cost to himself, he couldn't let the Fat Butcher kill one of the most beautiful things that had ever lived as as a trophy. All the pent-up rage that had been building inside him since his first meeting with Blaine exploded, realizing exactly what the significance of his action was. He threw up his hand and slammed it hard against the barrel of the rifle, just as Blaine fired. The shot cracked out, breaking the silence, and a native fell. Blaine looked at him in astonishment. "'You fool!' he shouted. The fat man leaped up, swinging the rifle around in a buzzing arc toward Elliot. The pilot side stepped. The butt whistled through the air inches above his head. Blaine off balance after the swing fell away to one side and Elliot sprang at him. The fat man sank to one knee under Elliot's attack, but he turned out to be stronger than the rocket man had thought, under the coating of fat with solid muscle, grunting Blaine forced himself upward and hurled Elliot away from him. Livid hate sparkled in Blaine's eyes, and Elliot knew that his own face was an angry mask. This was going to be a battle to the death here on the banks of the sluggish Venusian River. The two men circled warily around each other, Blaine swung out one ape-like arm in a tentative offensive gesture and Elliot danced backward. You know what'll happen Blaine shouted? You'll rot on Venus for the rest of your life if I don't get back. I'll take that chance Blaine. I can't let you kill that bird. He put his head down and bowled into Blaine's midsection ignoring the rain of blows that descended on his neck and shoulders. He forced Blaine back toward the water's edge, only to have to let one of his fingers clawed into his throat. He pulled away, and Blaine's fingers left bright red streaks on Elliot's flesh, blood mingled with sweat. A cloud of Venetian gnats descended on them, hummingly, gently, around their heads. Blaine's fist smashed into Elliot's stomach, but the pilot shook off the blow and landed one in the bowl of lard that cushioned the other's intestines. Blaine coughed and stepped backward. Elliot leaped for him and wrapped his arms around Blaine barely managing to encircle the fat man's body. Then, slowly, he lifted the struggling Blaine from the ground. Here we go, he said as he heaved the commissioner's bulk upward. He got Blaine as far off the ground as he could and started to dash him to the ground again when the other broke Elliot's grasp. Elliot let him go and he fell heavily. Instantly, the pilot was upon him, and the two rolled over and over and down the side of the bank toward the river. Just at the river's edge, Elliot managed to check their fall and broke loose. Blaine was on his feet again in an instant. Elliot's fist punched, crashed through Blaine's guard. The fat man reeled backward, lost his footing, and toppled off the embankment into the quiet water below, shouting wildly as he fell. As he struck, he shot up a torrent of water that splashed over Elliot's feet. Suddenly the water was quiet no longer. There was a swirl beneath the river's surface, and Blaine's body became the center of a tangle of dark, saurian shapes. Blaine screamed just once before the razor-sharp teeth dragged him beneath the water. A red stain formed and drifted slowly down the sluggish stream and then the water was quiet once again. Elliot stood on the river bank, gasping heavily as he fought to recover his breath, and mopped away the blanket of gnats that had adhered him during the fight. He watched the streaks of red drifting downstream, and knew that his own life was forfeit now for Blaine's. He shook his head and turned away. There was nothing else he could have done. He started to walk slowly back away from the river. There was a rustling sound in the air above. He looked up into the blazing sun, and a moment later was crouching a huddled ball on the ground. The dragon bird dropped gently toward him. Elliot remembered only too well what those gleaming talons had done to the sacrificial animal strapped to the altar. And then, "'Do not be afraid,' a calm, silent voice said. "'You have done me a great service, Daniel Elliot.' The dragon bird settled slightly to the ground and Elliot saw deep intelligence glowing in the creature's golden eyes. It seemed almost as if the thing could read his mind. "'I can read your mind, Daniel Elliot,' came the telepathic reply. There was a touch of sorrow in the mental voice as the bird said, "'I am the last of my race.' We were the rulers of Venus long before your ancestors had discovered the use of fire. But after a pause, the bird continued. Well, no matter. What happened does not concern you. I permit myself to be worshipped by these natives. They bring me food and keep me comfortable. And in return... I hypnotize their enemies and keep their small islands safe. It is a pleasant life, and I am becoming old. How old, Elliot asked. Several thousand of your years, the dragon bird replied. And you? The dragon bird silenced him. No, Daniel, Elliot. I do not want to answer your questions. I am solely concerned with the debt I owe you for saving my life. This Blaine held your future in threat. I think I can aid you and punish him doubly by foiling his plans. Don't be surprised by anything you see. The dragon bird wavered a little and suddenly it was a bird no longer. Standing before Elliot, fat, ugly face and all, was Houston Blaine. Don't look so surprised, Elliot, came Blaine's snarling voice. You'd be surprised what a little high-powered hypnosis can do. Elliot rubbed his eyes and looked again. It was still Blaine, a smug smile on his heavy lips. I'm going to reward you, said Blaine's voice. You and I will take the late Mr. Blaine for every credit he's got, and we'll get those papers out of his safe. But you mean you'll take Blaine's place? Elliot asked, feeling as if he were in a dream. Temporarily, the fat figure of Blaine wavered, and became the dragon bird again. Get on my back, Daniel Elliot. Moments later, they were soaring high in the sky, heading towards Venus City. Thank you all for listening. And if you enjoyed Knox Bedtime Stories, please become a Patreon patron. For as little as $2 a month, you can keep Knox Bedtime Stories... Helping tens of thousands of people around the world get a good night's sleep. As well as get various rewards such as tiers, extra episodes, books, your name on our webpage, and more to come. You can sign up at knoxbedtimestories.com and click on the Patreon link or patreon.com forward slash Become a part of a great community. I wish you all a good night's sleep and a happy, peaceful life. May the best of your days be the worst of your tomorrows. Good night.